Welcome in to Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. You can read all my stuff at broadwaysportsmedia.com where you can go and get a yearly subscription for 40% off for $49.99 to get you access to everything. We do live events. There is a new show, The Mike Herndon Show. I think they're going to name it later because that's kind of a lame title. It's like The Mike Herndon Show with Mike Herndon starring Mike Herndon. Uh, the heat that is for Broadway insiders only. That's probably worth the, you know, four or $5. It is every month to get in there and interact with, uh, that podcast and be able to hear that and the video feed. It's great. So Broadway I got an article out right now called, uh, the Zach attack. It's my weekly article lie detector for t- Tennessee Titans week one. I got all kinds of lies and truths that you could take away from week one because week one is a noted liar. And to help, you know, kind of get through probably the uh, the depression that you're in. And we may not help. I have invited back Corey Curtis, who just who decided that maybe maybe this podcast is pretty fun. And uh, he's, he's I didn't so scare him away. Nice, they said so many nice things about me on Twitter. They did. I mean, I, I, I mean this is like people want to hear me rant. It's it's kind of nice. It is. It is. If it's nice to feel wanted and needed, uh, that's why I I am so vain and I do podcasts and do all these shows because I like to hear myself talk and I like to hear people say they enjoy talking to me. I mean, you know, I look at myself on TV every day. So yeah, (laughs) the um, I got overwhelming good responses. Uh, it's it's I got even text messages, Corey, about people from my friends who said that that was the best episode since like we used to get drunk on the show and just went crazy. This is like in the early stages of the show. Well, and, you know, I'm not going to disagree with them. It's the yeah. best show I've ever heard. <laughs> there you go. It may be the only one, but it was the best one. That There's some <laughs> truth to that. Um, we are brought to you by Jaspers and Nashville, the elevating sports bar. I mean, I know that a couple of uh, listeners of the show came into town for this week one game, which I kind of feel sorry for them that this was the game <laughs> they came to. But hey, they did at halftime. They had a great time. Yeah, but they did enjoy Jasper's. They said it was great. So keep on, you know, tell them the F words, football and other F words sent you. Make sure you throw our name out there so they know that you're coming because of us. And if you're in town, you don't have to wait for a game day to go. You can go anytime because they're open all the time. Well, they're, they close, but anytime that you need food, they're open. And I would definitely definitely go there for lunch any chance i get whenever i'm in nashville and i have time to eat that is the place that i go to that's jasper's in nashville right next to vanderbilt all right Corey, it's the home opener ended mm-hmm. up being the uh the one of the more weird depressing endings to a titans game that i can remember uh yeah. i i i hesitate to open up with this but there is the fought hashtag fire downing movement on Twitter. It was trending, which is yeah. which is ridiculous. I am going to say something that's kind of a hot take. Okay, I don't think that firing Todd Downing is necessarily going to solve everything that is wrong with this offense. What do you think about that statement? Um, I will completely agree, um, and for a number of reasons. Number one the sample size is way, way, way too small. You're, 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 tra- you're talking about making career-long, season-long decisions based on one football game. If we made all of our decisions based on one football game, week one, when no one has played in the preseason, there's a lot of really bad decisions that would have been made over the years. You, you said it at the outset. Week one is a liar. Uh, because we just don't know. Look, if week one was the end-all, be-all, Ken Wisenhunt would still be the head coach of the Tennessee Titans. And the last I saw, that guy was mowing his lawn at the Governor's Club, okay? So he's not, all right? Because week one is week one. So you don't take into account all last year? Or do you chalk that up to, well, maybe it's some Todd Downing, maybe it's some of it is injuries and all this stuff? Look, you can take last year into account. You can't ignore last year. You have to learn from last year. But this is a different team. You have Nicholas petit Frere. You have Aaron Brewer. You have Robert Woods. You have Austin Hooper. Even if they're not going to throw them the football, they're on the team. I about to say, are we sure they even exist? And you have Traylon Burks. I mean, so, you know, this team is much different. 
okay? Because, like, you know, the team's best receiver just went for 10 for 155 for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So it is much, much different. And so there is a lot to be learned. And look, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, we may still be screaming at the top of our lungs, fire Todd Downing. But it'll be a much more educated decision at that point. Because right now, it's just not. Because you don't, I mean, like, everybody goes off about the end around Chick Aconquo and is all upset about it. You know, why not just give the ball to Derrick Henry, blah, 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 blah. Look, every play call is terrible when it doesn't work. All right? <laughs> but guess, here's the other thing. Every play call is designed to work. All right? Now, sometimes the defense snuffs it out. Sometimes Taylor Lewan decides, hey, I'm just not going to block anybody on this play. All right? Sometimes those things happen, and they're out of the offensive coordinator's hands. That's not absolving Todd Downing of everything. But I just I think this one-game sample in the 2022 season is way too small. Look, if you wanted to fire somebody based on one game, Denver Broncos would be looking for a new head coach today. All right? <laughs> and I don't think that they are. Perhaps they should. It's just, it's too small of a sample. And and we also still don't know entirely what this team wants to do, except hand the ball to Derrick Henry in first down. I think I think what people think is that, okay, well, everything that goes wrong on offense is automatically Todd Downing's fault. But what they forget is that Todd Downing is running the offense under the philosophical philosophy set by Mike Vrabel. Well, and, exactly. He doesn't make the game plan by himself. Right, right. Mike Vrabel has his hands in everything. It works mm-hmm. great on the defense. He has good insight on what the opposing defense may look to throw at the offense. Mm-hmm. But coming up with and practicing these plays, this Chigakonku play is is like the Luke Stalker fullback or Luke Stalker handoff play in 2018. It's like the Aaron Brewer pass play in Cleveland in 2019. The only constant in all these gimmicky kind of plays that are that fail is that the Titans lose the game mm-hmm. and Mike Vrabel's the head coach because those are all three different offensive coordinators. And what yeah. bothers me is that I'm glad that Vrabel's looking at the defensive formation and the looks of the opposing team, obviously. And he, these are the plays that he comes up with to combat certain defensive looks. Are these the only types of plays that can work against this defensive look. I don't understand why that particular Okonkwu play is the only play that could work against that defense. And that's what they practice. Cause that's what he says after every game. Well, we practice this every, all, all throughout mm-hmm. the week, this particular play based on the look that they give. Cause apparently the giants didn't fall for it at all. I mean, there was like three no. or four defenders that didn't yeah, even I mean, care. I, I, I give Lawan a hard time cause he yeah. really didn't block anybody, but there were two or three other guys there as well yeah and so look I'm, I'm not smart enough to tell you if tanny hill should have checked out of that or if he even has the ability to check out of that i i don't know right but i know this we saw the titans run that type of play with shanu smith we saw the titans run that play with delaney walker and no one was complaining about it we're just complaining about it because it didn't work that All is right. a good point. That is the first time I've heard anybody actually make a, I think, a well-thought-out point and pointing to past success with different players under the variable regime. So I have to give you kudos to that one. I haven't heard that one yet. By the way, I saw Delaney Walker the other day. He looks like he can still play. I mean, well, he just looks unbelievable. I, I, he's he's got to be better than Jeff Swain, which gets me to my next big thing about this oh, whole thing. Oh, gosh. Is this oh, 45 snaps for a guy who supposedly is the best blocker on this team out of the tight ends, which that was the highlight of the press conference. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that had me dead. Like here, here's what I think, even if, and I don't believe it, even if he is better than Austin Hooper, then he's just marginally better. Mm-hmm. And what Austin Hooper gives you in the receiving game should make up for that little bit of maybe less blocking ability. And here's my thing. <sighs> they built up, all you guys were at practice all off season. Yeah. At these open practices, all you see is Tannehill hits Chig for a touchdown. Tannehill hits mm-hmm. Austin Hooper for a touchdown. Never really. Mm-hmm. You saw Logan Woodside hit Jeff Swain, but you never really saw Tannehill hit Jeff Swain for a touchdown in the off season. So they built up all this great chemistry to only allow Chig Okonkwo to go out there for five routes. That's all he did. Five routes. It, meanwhile, we got Jeff Swain out here running 15 routes which is 75% of his past snaps. 
and he's getting targeted four times for 19 yards and uh, average depth of target of one yard. Four I am, targets. I'm, yeah, I'm done with the I'm done with the offense runs through Jeff Swaim thing that they got going on, and I'm I'm done with the good old boys getting snaps. Look, he got four targets. Four. That's as many as Robert Woods and Austin Hooper combined. That's, that's yeah. criminal. That's criminal. I mean, exactly. They should be in jail. <laughs> criminal. All right. It's criminal. Because, like, you, all right, let's go down the list. All right. I'm just going to read players to you uh, Chigakaku, Kyle Phillips, Dontrell Hilliard, Trey Burks, uh, Robert Woods, Nick Westbrook, Akine, uh, Austin Hooper, Derek Henry, and Jeff Swain. Which one of those players? <laughs> Which one of those players would you rather have Jeff Swain have the ball back? Oh, any? <laughs> no, would you, you, oh, you rather, yeah. Would you rather have Jeff Swain have the ball than no, any of those no, guys? No, no, sorry. No, no, no. He's the last choice. He's the last choice. He's the slowest. He's the least coordinated. He's the least athletic. And I know I'm picking on the guy, and I'm sorry, but he's a millionaire, so he'll be okay. Yeah. And it's not, it's not his fault. He's living his dream. He's trying to do his job to his best ability. So, Jeff Swaim, I'm here for you, and I'm saying congratulations that this team loves you. We're just saying we don't understand. We don't understand. You run a tight end screen that goes for nine yards that if you threw it to any other tight end on your roster, on their roster, on your practice squad or at McGavick High School, would have gone for 15 to 20 yards. But, I mean, he looked like George Costanza weaving through traffic with the Frogger machine. <laughs> he got nine yards. Nine. It should have gone for a lot more. The ball hit him in the face. In the face. I just don't understand their obsession with this guy. And, I, and I, He I, couldn't I, make the Jacksonville Jaguars roster. It, it's, it's insane. The that they have all this talent. It's like Cody Hollister getting eight snaps. I understand that Cody Hollister had a really great play and he, he toe tapped it in. But when you have Traylon Burks, who's getting, you know, over four yards of separation and it was a way obvious missed pass interference call from probably taking one to the house and being over a hundred yards receiving. Why are you giving snaps to Cody Hollister? Why is there a play? Where there's mm-hmm. Cody Hollister, Jeff Swayman, Derrick Henry as your main passing targets, and Derrick Henry is the one getting the ball who's just lollygagging out into the flats and not going deep enough into the route uh, upfield for it to even work at all. Why? Are, why is that a play? Like I don't understand why this team thinks that just because you uh, bring an apple to practice and give it to your coaches <laughs> and and you know you take your vitamins say your prayers and make your bed that you you should be on the field trying to make plays in a professional level Jeff Swain would be a border borderline tight end 3 or borderline practice squad player on any other team in the NFL when you need a third tight end in a short yarded situation 87 lumbers onto the field yeah that's it that's it that's, that's all it. he should be on there for cuz Je- what okay i gave i told i gave Ben Arthur a high five after practice i rolled down my window and i said hey I appreciate you asking the question because he asked why is what wh-? he didn't say why is he tight end one, yeah. but we all knew he got the most snaps, so he's tight end one. Why? What has he done to warrant it? And he said, "quote He's the best blocking tight end we have." <laughs> okay, so if he's the best blocking tight end you have, why does he have four targets? Right, and Austin Hooper has two, and Chigakunkwo has one. By the way, on that one target. Chigakunkwo made a hell of a play yep. that almost turned into a whole lot more. And look, I understand there's understanding of the offense and understanding of assignments and trust, but I also understand athleticism and getting the ball to guys who can make plays. You brought up Traylon Burks. He put, what do you have? 14 snaps? Was yes, that the 13 receiving snaps is what I looked at. So he ran 13 snaps. routes. Five targets. Okay. He got targeted over 30% of the time which means Ryan Tannehill trusts him and looks for him because Tannehill doesn't just throw to anybody. And so when he was on the field, Tannehill was looking for him. All right. I think that's really important. And they need to get that big hog hunting dude on the field. Well, I don't, I, it's like, okay, 
Chig apparently earned Ryan Tannehill's trust all through camp. They were putting Chig yeah. in the first team offense, and Tannehill was hitting him and throwing it to him. At some point, Talon has to supersede being at the right spot a millisecond quicker yeah. than everybody else, or whatever it is that they look at, thinking that, oh, well, Jeff Swain, he's a real lunch pill guy. We can always count on Jeff Swain to kind of get in someone's but way and make it look like but and make can't. it look like you're blocking. Yeah, I agree. You can't. can't. Yeah, he's not even that great of a blocker. He's a below average blocker in 2021. I he only did five pass blocks this game, so he's not out there to block on obvious passing situations. Then why is he even out there? I do, I don't understand it. I don't either. I they're, don't. I they're, don't. They're, here's the thing about these rookies making mistakes and not being able to see the field more because they don't understand. This staff made a ton of mistakes in week one oh, and i yeah. don't think i don't think they're reprimanding themselves by giving them less <laughs> less uh, time to coach on the sidelines in week two i think they're spending a lot more time in the office in week two so yeah. there might be some reprimand there. robert wood's got two targets i mean look i know he's coming off the injury but you traded for him for a reason get him the football and, and i think that's my overwhelming takeaway from week one is not getting your dudes the football and I was very excited to see 18 passes to 12 runs in the first half. I thought this was kind of the turn I was looking for where they're emphasizing the passing offense a little bit more, but it was still heavy Derrick Henry on first down. And, you know, even in the second half, you know, you just, you're waiting for the passing game to carry the load and to come up with pop plays. It's hard to come up with pop plays, when you're not getting the ball to your pop players, you're not going to pop 60 yarders giving the ball to Jeff Swain. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I I felt like this. I feel the same way because I feel like there's being this narrative spun by a couple of people who say that this, this Titans offense, and I think it's a little bit of A.J. Brown FOMO, but this yeah. Titans offense doesn't have playmakers. They don't have a guy that can make plays. And I totally disagree. They don't have a guy. They have many guys that can make plays. Robert Woods can make plays. Kyle Phillips shown that he can make plays. They did five explosive pass plays at a clip of probably 14 to 16% of their pass plays are were explosive. That would have been more than number one at the end of 2021 season. That would have had him ranked first if it, they kept that clip because San Francisco led the league in explosive pass plays at 11%. So Tim Kelly effect is here. It's alive. It's well. There's playmakers that can get yards after catch. There's playmakers that can get deep and get open deep and get you explosive plays. We saw it on the field. So this narrative that there is no playmakers on this team, they lack playmakers, is false. The problem is that this this Titans offense lacks the ability or reasoning to try to target these guys, they would rather go to Jeff Swaim and Cody Hollister instead of trying to go to these guys. They'd rather Derrick Henry, you know, get these runs where he's inefficient. I I don't understand it. It's it should be pretty simple. You keep your guys on the field to give you the best chance to win, and this team refuses to do it. They have to like I don't know if these if Jeff Swaim and Cody Hollister and some of these other guys throughout Vrabel's tenure has like dirt on him or something. <laughs> But I don't it, – it's a it's a trend that they have where they overly rely on just your average Joe to do extraordinary things. I like having guys who don't take no for an answer, all right? I like having guys who will do anything to make the football team. I do. Yes. I like having – I like the tone they sent. I like the example they set. And I don't mind having Cody Hollister's on the roster – because they will do anything the coach says. But as you're talking about, that doesn't mean they have to be on the field on first and twenty. Right. Now, he made the play, and that's great. But at the end of the day, who's going to make more plays? How often is somebody going to turn that 20 into 60 if it's Cody Hollister or if it's Traylon Burks? They both it, went to Arkansas, but yeah. they're not the same. Well, let me say this. How how many times, 10 out of 10, if you gave if you ran that play 10 times with Cody Hollister, how many times is he going to make that catch? I don't know. I, I mean, think that was his one time. <laughs> like, right. I mean, he practices. He's a big, strong dude. But, again, it's there's a reason he started the year on the practice squad, right? Right. Okay. There's a, he wasn't on your 53. 
And I and I, so again, I just Traylon couldn't have been tired. He didn't play enough. He wasn't tired. I and I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I I, just, I I I can't explain why he's one of your top four, and he's not out there. I mean, and you know, for the love of God, Nick Westbrook, Akine, the the Titan favorite, the Ryan Tannehill favorite. He only got two targets, and he was open. And I will say this: Tannehill missed him twice where he was open in Tannehill's field division. And he went to a triple covered Mason Kinsey and, and went to Traylon Burks in the end zone on third down. NWI was, was right there running crosser routes and he was open. And so, and that that's on Tannehill, but it doesn't mean, see, I think the thing is, is that the Tim Kelly is scheming these guys open. The passing game works like it, it will work when you're not targeting Jeff Swain four times a game. <laughs> People are open when when you gotta you gotta get the ball to your playmakers, many, and that's where I'm at. How many drops do they have? Four, I mean, four drops. Yeah, I know Swain had one hit him in the face. Kyle uh, Phillips, Kyle one. Phillips had one. Hilliard had one, and I think they I think PFF is counting NWI with one. Okay, what about Henry? Had the one on the side. Oh yeah, there. maybe that's the fourth one. Then. Yeah, that's the yeah. fourth one. That 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 was that had no chance. Yeah. Um. It, yeah. I, look, I know Tannehill's not. The topic here. I, I've seen a lot of people on social media telling me or telling everyone that they thought Tannehill looked really good. I thought he looked okay. I, I thought, thought he I mean, looked pretty good. I thought he looked comfortable. He was efficient and was um was he targeting the right people on the every play? No. It wasn't it wasn't the most perfect Tannehill game, but I thought that he looked better than he than most games in 2021. He didn't turn it over. He didn't look like he was close to turning it over. He didn't get sacked. So, you know, there there was that. I just and you know, when you go three for the twelve or eleven on third uh, three down, for eleven on third downs. It, it's tough to get a rhythm going. Right. And I and I think that's that's what I think was absent of. I just, you know, I, I that rollout to Henry where he went to him too late. I, I didn't understand that. And he could have ran it too. Yeah, well there was the third and two where he rifled it at the feet of of Nick. Right. Like three guys around him. I'm like, why didn't you run that one? And so there was just a few that were they're critical plays. I mean, they're third yeah. down plays. And I'm like, you got to find a way to move the chains. Move the chains. Move the chains. And I and I thought I, I thought there were times where they, they could have moved the chains better. Um, they certainly could have finished drives better. But as we've talked about, you can do that if you get the ball to the guys who make plays. Right. And and another lunch pill kind of guy that I did like, but now I've fallen out of favor with, and he played five <laughs> defensive snaps, and two of them uh, were for scores, is Dylan Cole. And Dylan Cole is not a suitable red zone replacement for Harold Landry because he was out there in a Harold Landry role. And I don't know what made them think that that was the move when you have probably 13, 14 other players that would have been better than Dylan Cole in that situation, I feel like. I, I I I don't I don't get that that right there either. Well, look, when you're down by the goal line, you're going to give up more scores. So I mean, he's in a position to give up scores. So I think that's that gets skewed a little bit. He was in position to make the stop on the two point play and didn't do it. I think that's right. that's that's another thing. Will Compton got one snap and won the game, right? Got, <laughs> yeah. What game was that? Buffalo? I think it was yeah. the Buffalo game. Yeah, when Will Compton gets one snap and wins the game. Um. So yeah. So Dylan Cole, you know, you need you need more, but. You know, at the same time, you're supposed to have Monty Rice, and and you don't. Um, and I and I'm sure Cunningham and uh, Long were both on the field for that. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? So that yeah. so so Braden tells me that in the defensive formation that he saw, that would normally have been Harold Landry. That's yeah. what he told me yesterday on the football well, show. Harold Landry at the same time. He's a Pro Bowl football player. Okay? Yeah, I just and don't understand he, why it goes from Harold Landry to Dylan Cole. Like, shouldn't <laughs> there be like some players in between that to get in the formation that are better? Like that's like, where I'm at. Like Rashad Weaver, you know, fourth yeah. round pick. Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying, but again, Dylan Cole, he's a variable guy. Played in Houston, he's a guy he trusts. And what do they always say? They you're expected to play at a starter level when you come in and play. So they expect him to do that, and he's he's done that. Didn't do it in this game. And again, it's and I'm not advocating that Dylan Cole is be all end all. It's one game. And for a lot of these guys, they didn't play in the preseason. And so there's a lot of stuff that just isn't perfect week one. I mean, I watched I watched the Broncos. Oof, that was a rough game. 
And there was there was a lot of week one there. Because, I yeah. mean, you talk about leaving meat on the bone. I mean, it was like that Fred Flintstone stack of ribs at <laughs> the drive-in on the bone for the Broncos. I thought they should have had 30 points on the board. Well, I don't understand. We'll, we'll, go, we'll veer off into this a little bit because this will take us into our next thing, uh, uh, Vrabel's into game play calling. But I don't understand why you trade five draft picks for Russell Wilson, give him the keys to your offense, because <laughs> apparently him and Nathaniel Hackett have collaborated on the playbook. And you take them out when you have all these timeouts and put your kicker on there who's one for seven from that distance, the range of distance that he's in, in his career, and put him in. And then you see him miss the kick, and you're like, okay, well, we'll we'll keep on going with the kick. There is something, and this is kind of like an uh, a, a inside joke or a uh, theme of the show. I have this thing against Denver and their its head coaches since 2017 due to fantasy football. Okay. And which is so, a perfectly good reason. It is a perfectly good reason. But they make the weirdest calls when, when whatever coach goes there since 2017, the high altitude gets them and they make the weirdest calls. Because I don't understand that not only why did he <laughs> not go ahead and call a timeout, put a pass play in, you have the time to do it. Instead of letting the clock run all the way down like they did, which was ridiculous. <clears throat> but why did you start calling timeouts when Seattle was kneeling it? Like, what, what was that? I, I don't well, understand what's going on. The game was in Seattle, so altitude is not. Uh, well, he but he was exposed case. to it you okay. know, in Denver for the for the, the offseason. I'm sure I'm wrong, but I think it's the worst head coaching debut I've ever seen. I mean, I, the worst. The I have to worst. agree. Like, it I has mean, to be the worst. You. You trade the ranch for Russell Wilson. He's your guy to get you to the Super Bowl. And you think your chances of kicking a 64-yard field goal on the road is better than Russell Wilson throwing for five, running for five, something for five. If, if you didn't think Russell Wilson could get you five yards on one play, why the hell did you trade for him? Yeah, I mean, what on earth are you thinking? It it's the worst decision I've ever seen. And if I was the GM and the owner, he would be in my office getting absolutely blistered up and down from me. They had a minute to play. Do you know how much can happen? I think three scores happened in the last minute of the Bills and Chiefs. They went up and down the field so yep. fast. And you handcuffed a guy who's got a ring, who's been to another Super Bowl, and you traded the ranch for so you could kick the longest field goal in NFL history. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense. I and I still can't get over like I thought the game was over, and you know, because the 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 Seahawks kneeled and and then I see them kneeling again. I wasn't really paying attention. I'm like, wait a minute. And he just called another timeout. Like, what is going on? Like, why, why? You ever have those mistakes? When you're in media and you do shows, I think yeah. they happen a lot more to people than that who don't do shows that are out there for the world to see. But you know it went bad, and you know you you lay in bed in the middle of the night and you're just like, God, I don't want to open Twitter. Man, I don't want to wake up tomorrow. This is this is this, I just need these next two days to be over. I mean, Nathaniel Hackett. I mean, he had to be laying in bed last night. I don't even know if he slept. I mean, he had oh, me laying gosh. there, just going, man. The, I, 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 this, this week's going to be horrible. This week is going to be how? What did I really do that? I mean, did I really do that? Look, I don't care who your kicker is. It's sixty-four yards. All right. It's it's it, crazy. It, it's crazy, and that brings me to this Mike Vrabel. I feel that he bought. He he I, I get that's 47 yards, but you know that this kicker is kind he's of iffy. Bullock. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's iffy on some points. And you didn't do him any favors with the sequence of events. No. I mean, they had the ball snapped no, and Brable called didn't. the timeout. And then but no, the, look, when you got the first down, or when you got the first yeah. down and you got the ball out of bounds, and then you burn your timeout with the clock stopped. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If you need time, if you need it, look, if you recently needed time to figure out where you wanted the football, hey, Ryan, go spike it on first down because we have three more plays after that. 
Right. Don't burn your time out. That's gold. That's like taking the gold in your pocket and looking at the ocean and going, here you go. We're going to chuck that sucker away. I mean, Mike Rabel's an outstanding head coach who 99 times out of 100 has every situation down to a T. And I will just say I thought they mishandled that one. And I'm guessing in the privacy of behind their doors, they are saying they mishandled that one. And I also don't agree with giving up three more yards. Exactly. It's not a 25-yarder you're turning to a 28. It was 44 that you turned into 47. It was already long. It was already long. And you don't have one of the top 20 kickers in the league. And my thing is, is people are like, well, th- that three yards is going to make a difference. Well, it's not just the three yards that he lost. Yeah, it's I, the yards they lost, they, they didn't gain by going forward. So they could have been, instead of 47, 42. it could have been 42. It could have been 41. I mean, yeah. they had time where they could throw, and the pass plays to Kyle Phillips and him going out of bounds was working the whole way down the field. It's like when Foreman was running down the the whole time down the field, down the Bengals' throat, and then they take him out, put in the Bengals, or they pass the ball. I can't remember which one it was. I tried to forget that game. But they went away from Foreman, which was working. Kyle Phillips was working all the way down the field. You have Robert Woods. You have Traylon Burks. You have Austin Hooper. You have guys. You have Dontrell Hilliard, who yeah. astonishingly only played 12 snaps for whatever reason, mm-hmm. even in – like three or four amazing plays. And they're like, oh, well, you only need to pay, play 12 snaps. What's the saying? No substitute for yeah. speed. Right. And they then they just waste the 18 seconds that they could have had to get the ball closer for Randy Bullock. Instead, they're just like, oh, well, we're going to run this weird horizontal quarterback sneak <laughs> that loses three yards just because <sighs> he's got to have the right hash. Hell, the right hash wasn't far enough right to, for him to make that kick. No, they needed the right sideline. Yeah, and you know, it, I I felt bad for Randy Bullock, and I don't like I don't feel bad for kickers. It's their job, right? It's their job, and and it's his job to make that forty-seven yard field goal. Um, it's Brable's job to put him in as good a position as he can to make the kick, and that's what we're arguing. Yes, he gave him the spot on the field that he wanted, but did he really do? Randy Bullock the most favors when he could have done a little bit more, but it is absolutely 100% his job to hit that kick. And I feel bad for him from this aspect. He was murdering the ball in the preseason. I yeah, mean, he exactly. Absolutely. Right. But I, I got news for you. It's not the preseason. Now is when it all counts. And a preseason kick is not the same as a regular season kick because the guy knows there's nothing on the line, and he had no competition. So there's no pressure on him whatsoever because the rookie's hurt. And by the way, before he got hurt, I loved that rookie kicker. Yeah, the rookie was looking great. And it's it's like when they when they feel they they look at the kicking situation. When someone goes down with injury, they're like, ah, we'll just stick with Randy. No sense of bringing anybody else in to compete with them. We'll just we'll just stick with Randy here. And that's all great and good, but you got to understand your players' limitations. And I feel like for the most part, Vrabel does a good job of that, but he did a major disservice to Randy Bullock, who still should have made the kick. But let's be honest here. There isn't a kicker that can kick a 47-yard kick in the win and make it 100% of the time. But you, you, that's why you have to put your kickers in the best position. And the best position is always to have Positive yards, not negative yards. Move them forward. Don't closer move them back. Closer is better. Closer, yeah, closer is, better. is better. Closer is better. I, I feel like the Titans have this problem, Corey, where they let their foot off the gas and aren't aggressively attacking. And I think that goes back to the philosophy of Mike Vrabel, where he he has his philosophy where he's very he's a defensive minded head coach. Mm-hmm. He gets a little conservative, and I think he'd rather win games 13 to 10 as long as everybody played and executed well. But when you're in games where the margin of error is so thin because you play that way, and I go to the Vikings, and Mike Zimmer, who was recently fired, was of the same mind. Now, let me be clear. Mike Vrabel is a player's coach and a much better co- head coach than Mike Zimmer ever was a head coach. There, There is no comparison. They're in different stratospheres, but they have this same philosophy. And the Vikings recently switched to Kevin O'Connell as head coach. And here's what they beat the, the Packers uh, 23 to seven. And it was pretty much out of hand right from the, out of the gate. And this is what Adam Thielen said after the game. 
in the locker room, he said, I've never been part of an offense that just was attacking and attacking and attacking. It didn't matter the score. It didn't matter the situation. We were attacking. It felt good. Yeah. I need that mindset for this Tennessee Titans team in 2022. Am I going to be sorely disappointed? Um, probably. Um, but I agree with you. And it's a little surprising because I remember a 59 nothing shellacking in the snow in New England when the Patriots could have left at halftime and won the game. <laughs> and they came out and kept firing. Just And that's why I, I've always been surprised. Because I, you know which game always stands out to me from this aspect is the Atlanta Falcons game in 2019. Mm-hmm. And the Titans went up like 24 to nothing. But, I mean, they had a chance to really put that game away. And I really thought they took their foot off the gas that day. And I did not understand it for the life of me. I mean, I can't remember what the certain scenario was in that game, but they, they had a chance to just really give it to them. And they didn't. And so, it, I, look, I think the players can see when you take your foot off the gas and you get that feeling of kind of trying to hang on for the win. And that never really seems to work. I mean, you just, you know, you got to keep blitzing if that's what you do. You got to keep, you got to keep taking shots. All right. You, you beat people until they surrender. I think that that's my philosophy until you see them give up. You've got to to drop, drop the hammer on them, but you know, we'll see. And maybe it's a trust issue. Maybe it's, you know, something that gets built as the season goes along, you know, to say, okay, we can go after these guys. We don't have to play it safe, but I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm not about playing it safe. I'm about, I'm about going for the kill shot. Well, you look at that, you bring up that Falcons game. They were up 24 to seven at halftime and yeah. they didn't score the no, rest of the way. And they were, for a whole second half, they didn't even try to score anything. And you know what's funny is that there are teams who never let up on the Tennessee Titans. You talk about the snow game in New England. Yeah. Don't forget the snow game in Green Bay just uh, was last season or two seasons ago where they just trounced all over Tennessee then as well. Other teams don't give you that benefit of the doubt. I yeah. don't understand why at 13 to zero, you go back and come out of the half in that point and start going conservative all yeah. over again. When you, when yeah. what was working was your passing game and what you saw in the second quarter. Cause I went back and watched the game. When you see it in the second quarter, you see the run defense start giving up these little chunk plays, you know, four, Four yards to Saquon Barkley here. Four yards to Saquon Barkley there. Little, little chunk plays. You just kind of could see the crack being being hammered at against the wall where they're going to get a big run and get a big play off the run game. And sure enough, in the second half, that's what they do. And they were able to stick with the run game because the Titans stuck with their run game. And so at some point, the conservative approach where, okay, well, we'll just keep you know sticking with our game plan we won't adjust because our game plan's perfect, doesn't get you a win every week. It, it gets you a lot of wins, especially specifically Vrabel's way of doing it. It gets you a lot of wins, but everything has to go in your favor. You have to get a couple defensive touchdowns to even get, you know, 30 or 40 points in some of these games. I mean, that's the thing with me is that these this team needs to get this attacking mentality going to be able to make deep runs into the playoff instead of solely relying on Derrick Henry. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I mean, you just, you've got to go after it. You've got to go after it. And it, it, I, I do want to say this before we're done today for all the bemoaning that we've heard about Todd Downing this week, the Titans gave up over 200 yards rushing and Todd mm-hmm. Downing didn't have a darn thing to do about it. Yep. I don't care who your offensive coordinator is. You give up 200 yards rushing you're going to lose or you deserve to lose. So the Titans have been ahead by more and taken the ball out of Saquon Barkley's hands. That's an argument that you can make, but you certainly cannot give up 200 yards on the ground. The two sides have to work together. They have to help each other out. And part of that is continuing to put the pressure on the other team. I I completely agree. I thought uh, after the game, I said in our little in our group chat, I said, you know, I don't think that Shane Bowen's really getting enough pressure for his performance in that game for his team's performance because the, I thought the run fits were poor, and I I don't know 
that could be a player execution problem, but that's something you got to correct in mid game instead of letting them continue to make the same mistakes. If these players are making mistakes, you got to coach them up and show them on your little Microsoft surface or iPad or whatever you got. Hey, look, you took a wrong angle here. Cause Imani hooker for all the good that he did. He played really mm-hmm. well in coverage. His, he was taking wrong angles on the runs. I thought Christian Fulton was missing some stuff. I think Zach Cunningham and Bud Dupree both got washed away because you know, a what lot of people all say those guys have in common, Zach. Ooh. Uh probably slender, more athletic peaking guys. No, you none say? of them played none of them played in the preseason. Oh, well, there you go. Well, that was my that's another thing I think I, I'm with you on is that you you I think quarterbacks went three quarter or three and eight. Three and eight. Yeah. Three and eight for if they didn't play in the uh, preseason. And I think what you see is Denver rested all their starters. Tennessee yeah. similarly did the same thing. There were a few starters that played. The Rams. You the Rams. You have to at this point, when you have new pieces, your team needs to practice a preseason or play in preseason. It, whether it's just a game or a couple of drives, you have to get it out there because Derrick Henry, you ha- he has to get over the mental aspect of last year's injury and the lingering maybe concerns for health that he may have in the back of his head and get hit a couple of times to get used to it before the regular season game. And I, and I know the the argument to be made is I'd rather struggle out of the gate than lose one of these guys for the year in a, in a meaningless game. And I get that. I mean, it's, it's a, if you're willing to make that trade off, then they're willing to make that trade off. That's just, yeah. it's just that simple. And so you, you're willing to accept, Hey, cause I mean, we had the same thing last year and they got bombed on opening day. So maybe this is just, if we're if this is the way the Titans are going to do it, we just have to know on the opening day it's probably not going to be perfect. Because I, I I asked six guys last week about this: How do you trust your fundamentals when you haven't played? I mean, because you can practice all you want. You know, Zach, they aren't hitting out there in the practice field and taking each other to the ground. Right, they go up there, they connect, and they move on. It's not the same thing and it's really not the same thing when it's saquon barkley okay and so all of a sudden the game's on the line it's a two-point conversion you got two guys there and they're grabbing at air because it's all moving way faster way stronger than it does in practice and i know you try to practice like you play and that's why they put such an emphasis on it and largely they do an unbelievable job but you know i know everybody knows when the lights go on there is another gear for all of those guys, yep. all of those guys. And so I, I think I'm I'm not advocating they all play a ton of football, but I am advocating they all play some yeah. um, because I, I think I think they need to get out there. I mean, Kevin Byard said, you know, he'll do whatever they tell him. But like he played some in the preseason last year and he said he liked that. He liked he liked getting a few hits in, getting a few tackles in, said he felt more ready for the season. That's just one guy. Well, I mean, if you look at what the Bills did, the Bills played some of their starters. The Chiefs played some of their starters. and They look pretty good. They both looked really good. I think there's something to this thing. You know, it's Aaron Rodgers. You know, Aaron Rodgers spent all offseason complaining about his wide receivers not knowing what to do. Because they're terrible. He's not playing in preseason. Well, yeah, but I mean, they don't have – whether he plays in the preseason or not, when you treat the wide receiver position like the Titans treat kicker, it's not going to go well, okay? And so that that I don't know if I don't know if all the practice in the world was going to help Aaron Rodgers there when they just grabbed six guys off the street to come in and play wide receiver for him. The um I think the the final thing that I I guess I would have <laughs> is do you feel a little bit better after being able to come onto the show and let out a little energy? Do you feel do you feel a little bit better about you know going forward? Is it is it the weight off your chest? I'm 51 years old. I've been watching the National Football League for a long time. All right, and I always, I, I, I everybody, sky was falling, and, and the sea tight. The season's over. I'm reading Twitter. You know they're going to lose by 40 to the Buffalo Bills. My message was simple Monday when I came to News Two, and I and I was writing my stories. We have been here before. Right. All right. The Titans and everybody else has lost games before they've lost games they're not supposed to before and guess what usually they bounce back really really well as we said it's week one i'm not gonna overblow things 
also consider this. Zach, how many people picked the Chicago Bears to beat the Super Bowl favorite <laughs> San Francisco 49ers? Oh, no zero. One? No one? All right. How many people picked Mitch Trubisky to outduel Joe Burrows in the natty? No one. How many people picked Geno Smith to go 17 of 18 in the first half and beat Russell Wilson? No one. It's the NFL. They're all good. No matter how bad we say people are, they're all good or they wouldn't be there. Everybody wins, everybody loses. Some of them do it more often than others. So, look, they hurt. There's no question about that. But understand this. The last team to go undefeated happened over 40, almost 50 years ago. There's a reason for it. League is hard. You're going to lose games. The key is not letting one turn into two. You cannot overreact to one game. And so I'm not saying I didn't care. But, man, it happens. Let's see what happens next week. If there's more stuff, like if I see more Jeff Swain out targeting Robert Woods and Austin Hooper next week, then we've got a problem. Then we've got a philosophical problem that they did not adjust from. But I'm not going to overreact to one game that they should have won by three touchdowns. Yeah, it's 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 just it's crazy. Uh, I, you know, it, to me, I, I put this out on Twitter and I said, Okay, bad news, they lost the game. The good news is is that this sets them up perfectly to beat the Bills by double-digit <laughs> points because that's yeah. just what the Titans do. And yeah. and I, I just kind of believe in this philosophy of when the game was over, it's I kind of felt like I was the Jets game. I'm kind of numb to losses. Like, yeah. this kind of loss, okay, I'm not really too surprised. I thought it was going to be a close game, but I thought it would go to the t- the Titans' way but it just didn't go the Titans way. And now they're going to face the bills and this is what they're going to do. They're going to come out and they're probably going to win like, you know, 21 to 10 or something like that. And it's going to, and everybody's gonna be like, what the hell happened? And it's just what the Titans, that's just how they've been for these last few years. You're never as good as you are on your best day. Never as bad as your worst. And that's just my way of saying the Titans are somewhere above what we saw Sunday and the Buffalo bills, by the way, who won easily, they weren't perfect, all right? Yeah. I mean, they turned it over three or four times. They played a Rams team that just turned it in a dirt pile performance, all right? right. I mean, was awful. And that, that's not taking anything away from the Bills. They are a they are the Super Bowl favorite, and I think they absolutely should be. Right. Um, although they're not my pick. But um, they, they, they absolutely should be. Uh, look, the Titans can go there and win. There's no doubt about it. They can go there and lose by three touchdowns because you know what? The Bills can do that to any team in the NFL. And so if the Titans go and lose by two touchdowns or three touchdowns, guess what? The season still isn't over. you got 15 weeks to go, and they're in the worst division in the league. The, I mean, the yeah, division he, he, was so bad, it couldn't <laughs> even beat itself. There's not even a win uh, in the win column. There's not even a one in the win column for any of these teams. What a bad display of football for the AFC South. I mean, easily has to be easily the worst division, right? I mean, there can't be one worse. The Giants at home. That's bad. But then the Jags lose to Carson Wentz. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked pitiful. He looks so bad. And and then the Colts were down 20 to three to the worst run organization in the league. They had to rally. And so the Colts, rise to first place on the strength of a tie. And I don't know if anybody saw this, and, I, and this is not this show, so I apologize, but there we talk about coaching malpractice. I'm a big Lovey Smith fan. Um, I've liked Lovey for a long time. I thought he did a great job with the Chicago Bears and should have never been fired for going 10-6 and six and missing the playoffs. Right. That was stupid. It was stupid, stupid. They're my team, and that was stupid. But third and four from midfield, with 30 seconds to play in overtime, and they ran the football and punted. Look, you're not going to the playoffs, Lovey. You're not. Teach your guys to win. Go win the game. It was it was right up there with Pat Dye's tie. It was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. There, I mean, I guess we see bad plays from players in week one. We had some unbelievable decisions by coaches in week one. Yeah, it's crazy. 
Well, that will do it for us. So thanks for coming on and being a guest uh, two weeks in a row. That's a first for the uh, for the the podcast having a guest on desperate. two weeks in a row. You were desperate. I'm always I'm always desperate for for good content. So um, thanks for coming on, Corey. Remind everybody just in case they missed you last week where they can see your face. I'm on News 2, Sunday through Thursday. You can also find me on Twitter, at Corey Curtis 2, and on Facebook, WKRN Corey Curtis. Well, that will do it for Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons. You can follow me on Twitter, at F-Wordspod. And just a reminder, I'm part of the Broadway Sports Media uh, Network of Podcasts and the 440 Sports Network of Podcasts. I'm a, I'm a hot commodity. I I kind of uh, go swing both ways there for the, the podcast world. And... You can find all kinds of great content at 440 Sports. They have hockey podcasts, soccer, Nashville soccer podcasts. They have SEC podcasts. They have all kinds of content over there. And over at Broadway Sports, we have some great football podcasts going. So I'm going to remind you, do not miss the Music City Audible now is two shows a week. A Music City Audible with Justin Mello and Justin Graver. Second in victory with Austin Nelson, Brett Batchelor, and Chris Carter. And of course, the Mike Herndon Show are all on Thursday. And reminder... The only way you can listen to the Mike Herndon show starring Mike Herndon with Mike Herndon is to get an insider pass to listen. So you have to be able to have that to get in there. Those all drop on Thursday because this drops on Wednesday. So that's tomorrow. For Corey Curtis, my name is Zach Lyons. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.